Hi, fanboys and fangirls. It's your host, Aaron Broverman. I just want to thank you for listening to our second Comics on Comics episode with K. Trevor Wilson from Letterkenny. Uh, we talk about his upcoming appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live. It, it already happened and it was a great success. So check it out on YouTube. This episode is also sponsored by Harry Tarantula. Check them out at their location at 6979 Young Street. Uh, Leon has said that he wants lots of people who do comics coming into his shop for signings and Q&A events. So if you do comics, like our friends Shane Huron, Ricky Lima of Black Hole Hunters Club, Kelman Andrusovsky of Captain Canuck, or many more, just give him a call at 647-430-1263 and ask to speak to either Leon or Jeremy, and he'll set you up with a signing. You can also email him at us at harryt.com. And now our episode with K. Trevor Wilson on the Never Sleeps Network at neversleepsnetwork.com. You're listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host... Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hello, fanboys and fangirls. It's your host, Aaron Broverman. You're listening to another episode of Speech Bubble on the Never Sleeps Network. Uh, and it's Comics on Comics Time, the spinoff where we get your favorite Canadian comedians to talk about comics with me. And in the house today, we have K. Trevor Wilson. Hello. K. Trev is the man who plays Squirrely Dan on Letterkenny on Crave TV and the Comedy Network in Canada. He is also known as the Mountain Man of Comedy, and he will soon be appearing on on Jimmy Kimmel. Welcome, Ketrev. Thank you. It's actually the Man Mountain of comedy. The Man Mountain. It's, uh, it's a, a, a throwback to old wrestling characters like Man Mountain Rock. And like Earthquake and those types of guys? Well, there's a few guys over the years who just used the nickname Man Mountain. And uh, my sketch group and I used to have a joke where uh, two guys climbed on each other's shoulders to form the Man Mountain. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm technically billed as the Man Mountain of comedy. All right. The Man Mountain of <laughs> comedy that's cool so i wanted to get into it but first i kind of have to get something out of the way where does the k come from in k trev you probably answer this question all the time i have been asked a few times uh it technically stands for kingsley okay which is my middle name and uh, the story behind it is when i started acting professionally and joined the union there was another trevor wilson so i wasn't allowed to be trevor wilson anymore and i needed a stage name and we tossed around a couple ideas i didn't want to go too far for my real name name and my agent came up with the idea of uh, putting my middle initial in front of my name and uh, we did that and it turned out to be a good marketing tool because I'm the only K Trevor Wilson on the internet. Nice. That's awesome. So in terms of Letterkenny, like I watch the show and I wonder, you know, it's there's a little bit of a specific dialect in that show. Like it's sort of a Northern Ontario trailer park boys type of thing. Did you grow up with guys who who talk like that is was that familiar to you before joining the show more from doing stand-up i'd say i grew up in toronto okay but it definitely comes from uh jared's upbringing in listool there's a small town accent in canada and it 
sort of carries on from it's not just an Ontario accent it's uh, there's you know that same accent in rural Alberta and rural Saskatchewan yeah yeah you hear it there too uh, I mean we do have the the east coast accent and you know when you then you get out to Newfoundland and I mean that's 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 almost gibberish diff- but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah I think Jared definitely grew up around a lot of those people and I became more familiar with it doing stand-up touring over the years you play a lot of small towns and and that's where I really started to meet the old uh, you know, how's it going buds those kind of cats and that's definitely where the inspiration for dan came from was every small town you go to you meet some guy who uses too many plurals and doesn't quite know how to pronounce word <laughs> can you give us an example just for listeners who may have not really heard it well, i mean you know stuff that squirrely dan would say on the show you know he'd uh he always like uh why don't use guys wears belts <laughs> yeah you know, is uh <laughs> just way too many plurals in that sentence or yeah you mess up words like he's wearing himself an unisex fragrance i see i see yeah yeah that's cool that's cool so how did you get involved in the show in the first place uh the old-fashioned way i auditioned for it i got yeah the breakdown came across you know my computer got an email from my agent that i had an audition for it and uh i was a fan of the show so i i the original web series so i admit i put some extra hard work into preparing that audition and uh, went and did a read and the original web series was called letter kenny problems yeah right? yeah it was based on a, a twitter account called the listy problem Problems originally, which was about Listool, and then uh, they turned it into the original sketches, uh, which you know were pretty big uh, YouTube successes—four million hits apiece uh, and counting. Nice, nice. So now that you're on the show, what's it like behind the scenes? Like, do you guys get up to it's stuff? It's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, we shoot on location, so we're all stuck up in Sudbury together for about a month at a time every time we, we start shooting. And we have a great cast and a great crew. And, and uh, for the most part, I mean, everybody really gets along very well. We we hang out a lot, you know, uh, go out on the weekends and party together. Sometimes we do, like, the bunch of the cast and crew went uh tubing down a river last summer uh, altogether. Nice. Have you been to Science North? Yes, yes, but not not while filming. I went there years before when I was younger, but uh, I should pop in uh, one of these days while I'm while I'm up. There. Maybe in February when we're up shooting season three. Yeah, you get to hold some bugs and stuff like Ooh. that. That's what I remember. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'll bring I'll bring Michelle. We'll make a day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, did you, and you gotta like take the obligatory picture next to the big nickel, right? Yeah, of course. You know, there's a comic uh, that one of the Canadian creators is based on the big nickel he's called the big nick he's like a superhero oh, based, nice. based on the big nickel so yeah that's what i wanted to ask you about how did you get into comics like that's why we're here well i mean like uh, i think when i got into them when i was a kid okay. uh started reading them. i mean superheroes were always fun i was a big wrestling fan and a big superheroes fan and to me like one of the things i was about wrestling was it was like the closest thing to real life superheroes larger than life characters and like anyone i think i got into through spider-man and when I was a kid, he had Spider-Man and his super friends. Right, right. It was on TV. And uh, the Incredible Hulk cartoon was still on Saturday mornings. So uh, I, I got into it that way. I became a pretty big Fantastic Four fan, collected... I've always collected Hulk comics, and I've collected, you know, variations on the Spider-Man series, and there was just too many at one point, you know. There's, you got Amazing Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, there's, there's a lot of books. So yeah, you had to, totally. But I collected uh, Fantastic Four for a while, which is kind of funny, because that series is uh, is done until uh, <laughs> Mar- probably Marvel gets the movie rights back. Yeah. 
Um, they sort of ended it in an unofficial way in, in Secret Wars. They sort of yeah, they, yeah. Made, they made like a future version of of like the Fantastic Four as a family created in like an alternate universe, and and it sort of served as an unofficial conclusion to Fantastic Four. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I got into comics that way, and I've just always stayed uh, a fan of the the genre and, and uh, love the ridiculous tropes. I, I mean, I was also a big fan of uh, the Tick. Uh, oh, yeah, comic series. Uh, did you watch the, the cartoon? I did. I thought that cartoon was way ahead of its time. Yeah, that no, was I watched such it when a fun I was cartoon. A yeah. uh, that's one you can go back to, and there's a lot of jokes you missed when you were a kid. Just some, but yeah, uh, oh yeah, uh, I love the episode where they do the superhero exchange. Yeah, yeah. Tick goes to Germany, has to fight Eastern Bloc cowboy. <laughs> it's awesome, and I loved like Chairface and like all yeah, the, all those people. Yeah. It was crazy. And like Mad Cow and, and that kind of stuff. You know, in, the, in the comic books, it was Man-Eating Cow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Man-Eating Cow ended up becoming a superhero later on. Yeah. She only ate criminals. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you seen the live action uh, versions of The Tick? I think there was one on like Fox. There's a pilot on Amazon right now. Oh, is there a pilot on Amazon yeah, for yeah, the yeah. new one? I yeah. didn't know the pilot was available. Yeah. Uh, I do remember the uh, the the Ben Enden live action series uh, starring Warburton. yeah. I, I don't know if I've seen every episode, but I've seen a few. I, it was good. I, I thought the cart. I, I personally enjoyed the cartoon more. Yeah, the cartoon was definitely. But I, I thought I thought they looking back, they did a, a pretty great job. The year it came out though was a tough year. I think it was the same year Family Guy. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, hit the airwaves. Yeah, Family uh, Guy hit the airwaves, and then and then I guess it got like really con- like Family Guy got like really controversial, and then they pulled it for a while, and it then got like, canceled, and, and then, then you had DVD sales brought it yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the first Fan show demand. to be brought back. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, awesome. It was, it was. Uh, but actually, the the uh, the live action tick led into one of my favorite shows, uh, which is the Venture Brothers. Oh yeah, I love the Venture Brothers. Doc Hammer and Jackson Public uh, were writers on the live action tick. Oh really? And uh, that's when they started developing the Venture Brothers idea. And Ben Enland uh, uh, actually directed some of the early episodes of Venture Brothers. And uh, Patrick Warburton, of course, uh, that's how they met the voice of Brock Sampson. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Venture Brothers. It's a great cartoon. Like I just picked up uh, season five and six the other day. And I've been binge watching the series again. I'm up to uh, season four. That's awesome. Which has some of my uh, favorite uh, gags in it. Yeah, yeah. And like Ventral and like Metalocalypse was really good. Metalocalypse and- is a great show. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's too. super weird, but man, so quotable. For sure. Oh, I love the one when they accidentally kill their cook. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then they they try to cook food and they fuck it up so bad. And then, <laughs> and then they're like, we, we should just slows the cook back together and make him do it <laughs> yeah but we're such screw-ups we'd probably sew them backs together wrong like hey it's a great name for a song <laughs> that's awesome that's <laughs> awesome so growing up in toronto what was the first like comic shop that you got a comic at do you remember probably be excalibur comics uh-huh. uh out in uh kingsway it used to be it used to be right next to the kingsway theater and now i think they've uh, moved to the upper space yeah, that's up north, sort of, isn't it? Excalibur. No, that, that, that's uh, uh, Royal York and Bluer area. Oh, yeah, where yeah, I okay, grew yeah. Up. I don't know where that uh, is. But yeah, right, right there, connected to the Kingsway Theater. Cool. Yeah, bought a lot of comics there over the years, and uh, comic cards too. I actually still have like binders 
of the old Marvel cards. Wow, like the, our last episode of Comics on Comics, ben, when Ben Miner was in here, he was like raving about the about the Marvel cards, man. I have, I think I have uh, series four with all the holograms. That's awesome. And that was like that was one where I like I would save up my money and go look at the like you know buy the individuals from them because I was looking for specific ones and yeah yeah. Uh, took a while to get all those uh those cards. Yeah, I de- I definitely had a bunch. Like I definitely had a bunch of them. I definitely had like binders full. But I was always more about the comics. Like uh, I think the first thing that I collected, it's a little bit of bad luck. But the Spider Man Clone Saga. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I was really into it. So getting back to it, like, how does comics feature into your comedy? Do you ever integrate? Uh, comics into like the bits that you do and those sorts of things i'd say more more my uh wrestling fandom works its way and then the comic book stuff but i mean I, probably some large words that i've you've only read in comics <laughs> oh because stan lee's like excelsior type yeah. stuff yeah, yeah yeah stuff like that i mean uh i am in the early stages of of, of uh, uh i'm working on a cartoon series uh that combines my love of comedy and superheroes but i can't i can't do, go too far into it wow uh, that's awesome but uh, I'm, I'm in the early stages of writing a cartoon about shitty superheroes yeah so as a kid how did you decide that you wanted to be in comedy like when did that happen was that in a uh, high school or no i mean i started getting an idea that I, i'd wanted to do that probably uh, after seeing uncle buck when I, I realized that that was John Candy's job. Yeah, you're sort of like a Canadian bacon version of John Candy, kind of. Oh, thank you. I yeah. take that as a compliment. That's awesome. Uh, John Candy is a personal hero of mine and one of the reasons I got into acting and stand-up. But yeah, I, I realized that was his job and he got to go play pretend. And I was like, that that just seems like the best job. And then, you know, then I started discovering all forms of comedy and I'd always loved stand-up and it was the hardest like one to do, and that's I think that's what drew me to stand up after like because I, I started out as a kid actor. Okay, I was you know like thirteen, fourteen. What I was kind in, of stuff would we have seen uh, you? In? Goosebumps. Oh, uh, I remember this one. Did you do? Are yeah, you I afraid did. of the dark? It seems like no, every kid. No, did that. I did. yeah, you did either one. You did one <laughs> or the other, and yeah. I, I did uh, Goosebumps. Uh, my best friend's invisible is the episode you can see me in. I filmed another one. Uh, the Hunter Mask Part Two, but you can't see me in that. You can see my name in the credits, and that's about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I did a lot of stuff like that. Disease of the Week flicks, you know, like uh, a mother's struggle against drunk driving. Crash Course, <laughs> starring Meredith Baxter Burney. That's actually a movie I was in. That, that's awesome. I played a jock, if you can believe it. Nice. nice. <laughs> so yeah. So like, did as a kid actor, did you have sort of the the struggles that everybody hears about, like transitioning from like being a kid actor to an adult actor, or did you? Was there like a gap between that time? No, I've been way more successful as an adult. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, I, I had a very deep voice and a very grown up demeanor, and I looked older than I was. Right. And uh, I played older than I was. I, I found I lost out in a lot of roles because I, they were looking for, a, they were always looking for an older kid to play younger. When you're a kid actor, it's better if you can play younger because 
they, they need someone who looks 12 but can work uh, 17-year-old's hours. Right. You know, because a uh, 17-year-old can work later than right. a 12-year-old. Right, so like the labor thing. Yeah. Jackie Coogan law and whatever. But I was, I was a young person who looked old, and there was no point in casting a young person to play an older person because then you get all the extra things of having to bring in a young person, like, you know, having a tutor on set and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I don't think I really hit my stride till I was in my my late twenties as far as acting roles go, because I was finally old enough for how I sounded. We'll take you back to Speech Bubble after these words. This episode of Speech Bubble is sponsored by Harry Tarantula. Go visit them at 6979 Young Street for their games nights. They've got Warhammer, they've got Star Wars miniatures, they've got Dungeons and Dragons, and they have board games nights. Go to harryt.com for the schedule and enjoy some serious gaming. Now, back to Speech Bubble. So when you first got into acting, did you just tell your parents, like, this is sort of what I want to do? or And they started... No, I mean, I was always kind of putting on little shows and plays. Okay. And uh, I was always writing skits and stuff like that. And so they put me into acting class. They, they sort of saw that I wanted to do it and were talking to my teachers and asked me if it was something I thought I wanted to do. So they put me in... I started off at the Young People's Theater uh, training camps. Oh, I, I live like right across the street. From the oh, right on. Yeah, that, they did a great job. I mean, I don't know if they still have the training camps, but if they do, I mean, I, I, I had a great time doing those camps and uh, met a lot of kids who were kind of weird like you and, you know, and that they all wanted to be actors too. Nice. And I did that for several years and then uh, uh, went to Etobicoke School of the Arts and majored in drama. And uh, it just kept going. I went to Humber, majored in comedy writing and performance, and they they didn't push me, but they uh, they let me do it and uh, uh, made it an option for me for sure. And and I know that, like in a lot of like you know group settings, especially with like actors and like weird kids, like you say, a lot of them are comic book geeks too, right? Mm -hmm. So did did you have a lot of like discussions about like comics and and geek stuff while you were at those camps and things? Oh yeah, I mean, but you know, I I always had my buddies there with me and we were all kind of nerds. So uh, yeah, no, everybody wanted to play a superhero. I think everybody still does want to play a superhero at some point or a supervillain because that's really the media role. Did you grow up at a time when it was still sort of uncool to be a comic fan? Oh, you could definitely still get made fun of for it. Yeah. I mean, more and more people, uh, cause I mean, we had the first Batman movie come out when I was, oh, you that know, a was kid huge. And, and yeah, that was super huge. So, I mean, like it, it was becoming less and less nerdy. And then plus in the nineties, I mean, everybody watched Batman, the animated series. Batman, the animated series is like my favorite. It's like the definitive interpretation of Batman. For it's a, uh, it's a masterpiece cartoon. They, uh, they captured the character really well. I liked, you know, it was an old school sort of throwback film noir style. And, uh, Conroy made this the best choice. And, and, and I don't know why more actors didn't follow this, but. I always love the fact that for the Conroy Batman, the Bruce Wayne voice is the fake voice. Right. The the real voice is the Batman voice. And he'd do the Bruce Wayne voice like a little higher, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rather than try to lower his voice, he'd pitch up. And like Hamill's Joker, like that is the Joker now. 
Yeah, it's really hard. Like when you hear other people do it, it just doesn't seem right. Right, right. But I think now with the Flash on television, people are getting to know that he did the Trickster first on the original Flash series, and, and that and sounds again. yeah, and again on and the again new on one, on the right? new one, right. and uh, there's video of him looking very Jokerish. But they do believe he is just an alternate version of the trickster fighting Jay Garrick. Yeah, yeah, that's what it ended up being. But it was a, I guess it was a send up of the Joker character because yeah. when you did the trickster first on like the '90s Flash, like you know the Joker hadn't happened first. You know what I mean? So the trickster is sort of like the prototypical Joker voice for him. I guess. And they kind of used that uh, the design of his uh, character for Cockknocker in. Uh, oh yeah, James Lebowski. Saw Bob Strike back. He had a bit of the the leftover look from the trickster outfit, the big goggles yeah. on, on Cockknocker. That's awesome. It's it's kind of cool, like doing doing a voice and then for like another character, and then getting basically credit for like building the Joker like right after and then people going back and going, wait, like what came first, like trickster or Joker kind of thing? You know what I mean? And you're collecting comics this whole time? Are you, like, bag and boarding them? Like, how serious are you Are you into it? Oh, uh, these days I, I, I more go with the graphic novels. I just buy collections of stories. Uh, and actually, I uh, recently got the Marvel Unlimited app on my phone, which is the best thing ever. Do you like reading digital and stuff? Oh, yeah, man. I, I, like, I don't know if you've seen the Marvel Unlimited app. No, I haven't. It pretty much gives you the library oh that's awesome do they like animate the panels or anything too no uh, but you can just you know sort of pick how you want to view it but you got the you, you can fill up your library and then you can have offline issues so that you don't need so that when i'm on the plane i read a ton of these so like loaded up in my uh i decided to go through and um I looked at the, the the top 10 well like what's considered the top 10 must read marvel storylines right and I've loaded them all up into my library, and and I've been reading the Avengers from the uh, from the beginning. That's amazing. It's uh, what are your what are your the original Avengers books are like by today's standards? They, they're such terrible books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this was cutting edge stuff. But I've also then like after that, I've got the coming of Galactus loaded up to read. Right, right. And uh, oh, then the death of Gwen Stacy. Yeah, the death of Gwen Stacy, like my favorite love story in comics for sure. What are your sort of top ones that you've read like what what do you think are like the best uh, storylines or arcs that you that you've come across uh i loved planet hulk and world war hulk as far as recent stuff goes oh, nice. uh yeah i mean like i read through a lot of the hulk stuff during the peter david years uh, oh thought, yeah yeah i thought he did a lot of great stuff the future imperfect what is it about the hulk that like speaks to you uh i think it's a bit of that you know the guy that can't control uh, the monster inside. It's a, just an interesting story arc. And the, the, the you know, misunderstood uh, monster that's like Frankenstein. Did you ever, did you ever feel that way? Like misunderstood? Like you're a big guy, right? So I, I probably must have. Yeah. As yeah. a kid, you know, uh, going through puberty when you're in an awkward phase and you look older uh, than you're supposed uh, to be. Uh, you, you know, I think every kid when they're in puberty, they feel like they're about to explode at every given second. Right, right. Like there's just all this the hormones rushing through them and they're processing it and they're just and that and you're full of cum for the first time in your life. <laughs> Literally several ways. You're just you're just bursting at the fucking seams. That's awesome. As a as a teenager. So yeah, there's definitely the uh the you know 
there's definitely those those appeals to the character. I think, right. There's know, a sort of like awkwardness and like getting a handle on yourself. Sort yeah. Of I mean, you know, it's like a lot of uh, a lot of Peter Parker fans were probably, you know, bookwormy yeah. sort of nerdy guys. But then, you know, then like, oh, imagine if just one day uh, I could flip around and beat everybody up. Have you seen what they're doing with the Hulk now where they have like the Amadeus Cho, the, the Asian Hulk? Who's like smarter than yeah. Bruce Banner? Uh, Banner's dead. Yeah. Apparently, I haven't read any of the new stuff. I did love Banner, and but they did, they had done so many like at this like it, there's there's part of me that's nostalgic. That's like how can you do? How can the Hulk not be Bruce Banner? But then there's part of me that's like, yeah, of course not. Of course you can't still have that. You know, Banner be the the uh, the Hulk and. 20, you know, the characters have been going on for half a century. Yeah, like, like they can't just be in stasis forever. Like, they gotta. Like, uh, uh, you know, eventually they gotta progress the characters. And, uh, you know, but I just always thought that there'd be an old, an old Hulk mm-hmm. uh, forever. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But, uh, and I think She Hulk is getting one of the Hulk books too. Yeah, she is getting it. And, and it's like a more sort of rage, like struggling She Hulk. It's not the lawyer She Hulk. Some of the lawyer She Hulk stuff they've done over the years has been pretty awesome. Right. Highly underrated, I think. In a different way. When they had Awesome Andy working at the law firm, (laughs) a shrunken down awesome android. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Or when uh, when Spider Man accused the Daily Bugle of racism, right? And claimed to be black, and then she she would she went up against like Matt Murdock after years of never doing it in the courtroom. I think there was an issue where they oh, cool. sort of faced off. I I can't believe it took so long to actually do it. So that's cool, man. Like as a longtime Hulk fan, how what did you think of the movies? Like they've never quite gotten it right. Well, yeah, they've never, the they've never done the bomb. Right. I think they've always sort of gone with the ultimate retelling of the origin. Right. And I didn't, like, I, the first movie was just long. <laughs> yeah. It was just too long. Right. And then, like, the whole s- storyline with uh, the dad was just felt tacked on. Right, yeah. Um. Uh, but, I mean, I, I thought visually, like, that was... The fight scenes with the Hulk in that first movie were super impressive. Yeah, and in the one with the time. that. And then the, the Ed Norton one, uh, I thought was a perfect Hulk story. Yeah. The only plot hole for me is why would you give Emil, Blon- why would you give a, Emil Blonsky a super soldier serum? Right, exactly. <laughs> but I thought it was a great movie because they finally gave him like a villain to fight that was... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sad we didn't see more, like we didn't get that sequel, because I wanted to see... Because that movie was plagued with problems because uh, Marvel and Ed Norton couldn't agree on a final cut. Right, right. That was the whole... And Ed Norton wasn't happy with Marvel's final cut of the movie because they took out the suicide scene. Yeah. And so he didn't do any promo for it. And and so the, the I think the box office uh, suffered a bit, but uh, I, I I I liked that movie. I thought it was really good, and I it liked- was really cool seeing like uh, it go the them do like the fight on on Young Street, right? Like yeah, Young yeah. Dundas there, and uh, using the U of T grounds uh, when the military comes in and attacks him. That's awesome. Like, I, I thought they did some great stuff, and uh, I mean, the best version of the Hulk in film was Avengers One. Yeah, 
And I mean, a li- you know, a little bit of Avengers too. I'm looking forward to uh, Thor Ragnarok, which uh, many critics have described as a Thor Hulk buddy movie. Right. And there's supposed to be a little World War Hulk, Planet Hulk in there, right? So you, you're probably looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. There's supposed to be some clip of that, which I often, which I wonder if it, it's because in the cartoon version of uh, Planet Hulk, uh, he fights Better A Bill. Yeah. Instead of the Silver Surfer, who it was in the comic books. But yeah. uh, I, I am wondering if they're going to bring in Better A Bill to the... Uh, Marvel uh, uh, film universe. I, I'm sure. I'm sure they will because it has it has to tie into Thor, right? It is Thor Ragnarok, so and you know it is outer space uh, that the the big threat's coming from. Yeah, totally, totally. Like no, like Walt Simonson. Like that's some that's some awesome Thor. So I really hope that they pull they pull from that. So meanwhile, like you know, you're going to school for drama and that sort of thing. When did you start like touring clubs and doing comedy and open mics and stuff? Uh, well, I started, I got into comedy, uh, first year of college when I went to the like, stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I when I was in high school, I trained at the second city training classes, doing improv classes oh, cool. there. And I did like, you know, like sketch and improv stuff uh, in high school, but I got into stand up first year of college, uh, did my first guest spot, uh, or first, uh, open mic at the yuck yucks in Ajax. Because uh, it was easier to get on out there, so me and some buddies from uh, the comedy school uh, would carpool out to, to do uh, the Ajax open mic, and uh, yeah, that's how I got started and plugged away at it uh, for a few years, just you know, kicking around Toronto doing the rooms. How do you describe the lifestyle of a comic to like to like the layman person? It's exactly what you think. It's the touring entertainer, the traveling entertainer. You spend, uh, you, you make most of your money on the road. Okay. So you're constantly traveling. You're in a car, in a bus, you know, in a plane uh, trying to get from A to B. Uh, you sleep in hotels, you know, get good portable stuff. Get yourself a nice portable humidifier and uh I've got actually a video game briefcase that I can bring my PlayStation around with me when I'm doing extended road trips. Nice. But, what uh, about merch? Who carries like your merch and stuff? Do you have to carry that around I, with I, you? I hate bringing merch. <laughs> I really should bring more to sell because you, know, you can make extra money doing that, but I get so tired dragging it around. Right. Totally. In terms, like, is it as lonely as people sometimes describe? It can be. I mean, uh, I'm, at this point, I've got friends in most of the towns I end up in. Right. And I'm getting to a point where I can choose my opener more often. So if I, you know, I, I hire a guy who can drive me and keep me company. Nice. But yeah, no, I mean, it, sure, you, you're pulling long road stunts like it, it, it's usually you notice the loneliness like while you're traveling like when you're on when you're on the plane or, or when you're uh you're in the car that's when you get it i mean at the at the hotel you can usually go uh usually call somebody up <laughs> and how do you deal with like fans and hecklers and those sorts of things do you ever get that uh well fans and hecklers are different things right uh, hecklers, obviously everybody and everybody deals with hecklers uh they're a pain in the ass no one likes them but everybody deals with them i've always tried to use diplomacy first you know just be like hey you know uh we're just all trying to have a good time here and you know I know you're getting a little bit over enthusiastic. Maybe keep it down, but uh, uh, the older I get, the less I give a shit. I'll just straight up tell someone to shut the fuck up because I don't care. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> just did a straight up. Nobody paid $15 to hear you, bud. Shut up and let the professional do the talking. And- right. And with the popularity of Letterkenny, are you seeing like your crowd makeup a little bit different than it used to be? Oh, are there there a lot more, more pe- fans of Letterkenny, a lot yeah. more people. Like, I mean, I can't, I, I'm not going to say my audience has changed because Letterkenny fans are, are a cross section of Canadians, and that's always been who's been at my comedy shows. Like, uh, it's not like you know. The nice thing about Letterkenny is it's not just attracting one group of people. It's, uh, everybody likes the show, so you know it's not like it's a big shift. But I am noticing more and more people at the shows are fans of the shows, so they're familiar with me from squirrely dan first and stand up later nice what do you think's the secret to the appeal of that show uh it's smart without trying too hard do you think it would appeal like to a wider audience than just canadians oh yeah yeah Uh, we we have american fans who pirate the show right and uh we have fans out uh in the uk uh we actually, uh, when we were filming season one, we were hashtagging Letterkenny on everything, and we ended up taking over Letterkenny Ireland's uh, uh, Twitter feed. And uh, so a lot of people in Ireland discovered the show because they are like, what the hell is this thing that they're talking about? And there was actually an article about Letterkenny in the Dairy Daily News in Ireland about our Letterkenny, not their Letterkenny. So, uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's funny. Well, and like, there's a lot of people that come from small towns, like whether you're Canadian or not, right? Like everybody gets the small town yeah. stereotype a little, a little bit, right? Because you know, everyone has uh, their own. From town, you know, in the states, you replace the hockey with football, but it's the same thing. And then uh, in the UK, you replace uh, hockey with football, and it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I heard that you booked Jimmy Kimmel. How did that happen? When I was doing the roast battles uh, over the summer at Just for Laughs, Jimmy was one of the judges uh, on one of the episodes, and he saw me perform there. And then uh, we we met actually quite awkwardly in the bathroom and had a, a, a good chat, and, uh, and that sort of got the ball rolling. Like he, literally at the urinal, or well, he was at the urinal. I was coming out of the stall, and we we had a chat. Mm. But yeah, so that's it's been in the works since then, and that started the ball rolling on uh, the whole process he then had his people uh contact my people about uh, booking me to do the show so uh as you get busier is it harder to keep up on the comic on the comic thing i'm not able to to read them every night as i said you know now that i'm reading them i'm reading way more when i travel now right like uh just uh when i'm sitting on the plane or sitting on the bus i crank out a few uh a few issues but yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think, I think that's the, for, for true for any business, unless you're in the comic book business, the busier you are, the less time right. you're going to have for comic right. books. Right. And I like that you're not a person who's like too attached to like the tactile, you know, some people are like, oh, I can only read comics as comics. Like I can't oh, read yeah. them well, digitally. That's just silly. Yeah, I know for sure. Do you think that there should be like a letter Kenny comic book? I think that would translate really well in a, as a comic. It, it really not that much happens in Letterkenny. <laughs> I don't think it's as exciting as a comic could be. But uh, uh, we're definitely, I think, in the f- few years, going to start seeing them test other mediums for Letterkenny. That's awesome. Do you have you ever had aspirations of doing your own comic? Yeah, yeah. I've always thought about doing my own comic. Uh, I've never been a very good artist, though. 
I, I just have to write it. You just have to team up with somebody. Yeah, I just have to find an artist. Nice. What would be like your idea? Would you have like a Hulk like character? Would it be superhero? Would it be something else? It depends on the scale that uh, the, the person I was working with wanted to go to, but uh, I've got a lot of ideas. Nice, nice. <laughs> Probably too many to start listing, but uh, there'd definitely be exploring a lot of the, the I'd, I'd like to explore a lot of different comic tropes if I could. Can you give us one? Well, I mean, I just always uh, really thought it'd be interesting to to see a world where uh, if, like, you know, superheroes actually showed up when they when they showed up uh, and, and were a real thing, like showing up in the 1930s and 40s, and if, if they aged naturally along with the passage of time, how many superpowered people would be around in, in today? Right. And, uh, you know... What would superheroing be like in a world that had grown up with superheroes that, you know, you'd achieved mutant civil rights? And what would that world be like? And Especially the, now with like the age of Trump. Like, I feel like that's like the ultimate supervillain president. Right. So it, it's Lex Luthor. <laughs> totally. Totally. It'd be great to see that. It's the Batman versus uh, yeah, Batman, Superman, public enemy number one storyline. That's so good. But like you had to do it like secretly and under the table because you couldn't just assassinate the president. Yeah. Something. Yeah. That'd be cool. What about like your fandom with wrestling? I'm a big wrestling fan too. What era of uh, wrestling did you grow up? Uh, I mean, I came up, up uh, in the eighties. Uh, I think we mostly had WWE up here. I, I've discovered the NWA, uh, probably later in life, mm. but, uh, yeah, I, I started watching, I'd say probably around, my earliest memory was watching a recap of, I think, WrestleMania 4 or 5, where uh, WrestleMania 4, where Bret Hart uh, breaks Bad News Brown's uh, trophy for winning the Battle Royal. Nice, nice. That's cool. All right, man. Well, is there anything else uh, that you want to promote? Like, it, it was really nice having you in here. Oh, thanks, and- bud. Uh, no, it was great coming in and talking. Uh well, I mean, as always, you can check out my uh, stand-up album, Sex Cop Fire Penis, uh, uh, available on iTunes. Nice. And um, Letter Kenny and uh, What Would Sal Do? What's What Would Sal Do? The show uh, I did uh, uh, with the producers of, I'm in two episodes of it, and it's the same producers as Letter Kenny, New Metric Media, and it's uh, on HBO Canada. It's about a guy who finds out he's the second coming of Christ. That's awesome. And I play uh, a homeless guy. Cool. That's that's amazing. I think there's a lot of uh, homeless guys in media that end up being like godly people or angels. Like think of Cogliostro from Spawn and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, man, it was great talking to you. Great talking to you. And, Thanks for uh, having me. We'll see you next time on speech bubble this has been speech bubble see you in the future friends never sleeps network this has been a never sleeps network production executive produced by alex ross for more information and content visit neversleepsnetwork.com Hey, fanboys and fangirls, it's Aaron Broverman, host of Speech Bubble. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, thank you for uh, listening, and uh, this episode is dedicated to Andre Aruda. Uh, Andre is a comedian. He was going to be 
on our uh, Comics on Comics series at some point in the future. He was a big comic book fan, particularly Iron Man and a personal friend of mine, but uh, he passed away uh, last month. So uh, this is for you, Andre. 